Hey guys, it's Brooke Eagle, and we are back with another episode of the Forsyth Magazine's podcast. And today I have two very special guests. I have Sarah Fideli, the Director of Communications of American Heart Association, and Dr. Ashley Parrott, a family physician at Salem Family Medicine. Hi, ladies. Hello. How's it going? Doing well, doing well. Well, I am so excited that we're talking all things heart health in honor of Heart Health Month, February. Um, and I'm so glad that you brought a doctor because, <laughs> well, you know. She's so much more than just a doctor. So, of course, Nova Health is our Live Fierce Life is Why sponsor. So, okay. But we are so excited because Dr. Parrott is one of our co-chairs this year, along oh. with Dr. Musumi Anderson. And they're sort of, they're kind of leading the whole campaign, but it all kicks off on National Wear Red Day on February 2nd. So before we dive into all things heart health, tell Ooh. us about the luncheon coming up on February 2nd. Sure, sure. Yeah. So really, it's amazing. It's going to be um, upwards of 300 women all wow. decked out in their red and all there talking about heart health and why it's so important that we support each other, that we learn about the warning signs of heart attack and stroke in women that can be very, very different than men may present, um, that they learn that there's things they can do within their own family to really help prevent heart disease and stroke. And unfortunately, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women um, in our country, including all the different cancers, unfortunately. Um, wow. Cardiovascular disease is the number one. And then it's also the number one killer of new moms. So we still have a lot of work to do when it comes to education and awareness. Yeah, well, this is a good, a good part of that education to Absolutely. come on the podcast. So Dr. Parrott, I wanna talk about some of the warning signs, things that you see um, when people come to see you that you're like, oh, not good. <laughs> sure. So there are some warning signs that are immediate, which, of course, are things like chest pain, but could be I don't feel as good when I exercise anymore or I can't exercise anymore the way that I once did or I used to be able to bring all of my groceries up from the car to the kitchen and now I'm having to stop and catch my breath. Um so things that are a little bit different than people don't, they think, oh, I'm just tired, um, life is busy, I haven't slept well, when really there are things that we need to pay attention and bring to the attention of a medical professional. But even before that is people walking around with uncontrolled blood pressure. Mm. And that's something that we've focused with the American Heart Association previously because it's such a risk factor for heart attack and stroke People who have gained a little bit of extra weight um, is certainly another risk factor that can contribute to high blood pressure and then lead to heart attack and stroke. In women, we tend to minimize everything and take care of everyone else before we do ourselves. Uh-huh. Yep. So good insight into <laughs> saying, huh, I don't feel like myself is often, in women, unfortunately, it's this weird tingly, spidey sense that I don't feel good and I can't tell you exactly what it is. And then we start to listen and say, your heartbeats are regular or your blood pressure is high or maybe it's a headache that you're feeling that you're not really able to translate into a specific symptom to talk to us about. So we're pretty good, us doctors, at eliciting um, the idea of what people feel is going on. Yeah. That's great advice. So how often should we be checking our blood pressure? 
So at least once a year at a good old physical so we yeah. can make sure that you are up to date on all of the other things that we look for to prevent illness is 100% of what I feel like my job is um, for the patients that I treat. Dr. Anderson, my co-chair, is a cardiologist, and my hope is that my patients never have to go see her. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dr. Anderson. That's right. Um, but, you know, even with uh, the best prevention, genetics is still part of who we all are. And if there is a strong family history of cardiovascular disease, a trip to Dr. Anderson might be in your future. I would love to try to mitigate for that risk ahead of time mm-hmm. by using medication if we have to, or talking about a difference in diet and exercise, lowering stress, mm. I think is completely undermentioned in the conversations mm. that we have, but stress creates all sorts of havoc in our bodies that um, ends up in health difficulties. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I think that's something that people are starting to take more notice of, but stress can do insane things to your body. And it's you know, something that is controllable if you, you know, maybe you are do take a stress or, or anxiety medication um, to help those levels because it's not doing us any favors to be in that constant fight or flight it's mode. It's true. And I think for women, we do. We suffer in silence. And probably all of those other moms and coworkers and people that you come in touch with day to day are dealing with some of the same things and just talking about it alleviates some of that stress. A sense of community about things is a great stress reliever um, without having to use medicine at all. Yeah, very true. And I always like to say exercise is my favorite anxiety medication. (laughs) It really is. It really is. It can do a lot to reduce stress, which sounds really counterproductive in a way. Like we want you to add more into your day when most women are like, give me five minutes, you know, but it really does having that time. That's just your Mm -hmm. time. It may be the one time out of the day where you're actually doing something just for you and for having other women support you in that effort is really kind of what go red for women's all about. It's supporting each other through that and making those decisions and having it be okay that you may, maybe your kid goes to one less practice and you go to the gym for yourself Mm -hmm. and that's okay. You're still a good mom for that. That's exactly right. Or that exercise does not have to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. It could be, I'm going to go drop my son or daughter at soccer practice. And instead of sitting in my car, I'm going to walk around the field and watch what's going on. And I'm going to grab another mom to do the same thing at the same time. So um, I talk to patients all the time about they want to know what the right exercise is. And the right exercise is the right one for each person. Yeah, the one that that you'll actually stick with. And that you can start with 10 minutes at a time. Um, And it does not have to be a huge commitment. American Heart Association always goes back, and I love this saying, because actually a pediatric cardiologist said it at one point, like, Ed, when you start younger, it's all about what activity the kids find fun. Mm-hmm. I want to play soccer. I want to do this. You know, I want to do bowling, whatever it is that's fun. And then we get older, and somehow exercise is not supposed to be fun anymore. It's supposed to be making yourself do it, nose to the grindstone. I'm going to go run this five miles. And we're like, somewhere along the way, we lose that part of do what's fun. Yeah. If walking is fun, is riding a bike is fun, is walking the lake path is fun, is whatever is fun that's moving, 
do that. So it's really funny how somewhere along the way that mindset changes of exercise has to be something you don't like and like it can be exactly what you love. Well, and wouldn't it be great if we could start to show our kids that we're doing things that we love that are healthy so that they see that example as they grow up and we develop an age and a demographic of people that are healthier in general because of it. Yeah, no, I could not agree more with the with making it fun. I always tell people. Um, if you hate exercise, then you just haven't found the right type right. of exercise. You're doing the wrong one. Because there's <laughs> so many choices. I mean, the the choices are endless. Like, you really just keep keep going until you find something that you like. Because you're never going to stick with something that you don't look forward to doing. Like, I look forward to my workout every day because yeah. I do CrossFit and I love it. I've, yeah. I'm hooked on it. If it was, you know running I would not look forward to it I don't yeah. enjoy running I used to and, and also that it changes like I think right. people feel like oh well I used to do this and I used to love it and now I don't well then find something different you don't you're not required to stick with the same exercise for your whole life that's right <laughs> I think that's a big part about what get read for women is about is knowing that there are things you can do to make a change. Mm -hmm. So even if you have, we talk a lot about family history and having those difficult conversations of, you know, well, what did you lose your great aunt to? What happened to your grandmother? What happened to your mom? Like knowing what that family history is and where that, you know, resides genetically for you. But then knowing even with that years, there's things you can do to balance the scale, to really balance the scale between with prevention. So, I think that's, you know, heart disease and stroke are both largely preventable. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that are genetic and you just, you know, them, you have to face them. But there's a lot that we can do. It's what you do after work. It's what you do on your lunch break. Yeah. It's what you do um, when you make a meal. So it really comes down to those little decisions that add up to really you helping to form your own path to a healthier path. I like that. So if you had to think of like, this is a question for both of you, like, three to five things that are just the most important tips for preventing heart disease or stroke, what would those three to five things be? So I think first on my list is to know your family history. It's really shocking the number of people that come into my office and say, I had a grandparent and something happened to them (laughs) or a parent, something happened to them, I'm not really sure. And knowing that someone had a heart attack or stroke, especially early in their life, is a a big impact on your own life. Um, and then, I, you know, really just starting small, thinking of small changes in life that can improve overall health, whether it's taking a walk, whether it's spending some time meditating, um, figuring out a different way to include healthy foods in our diet rather than just talking about what to get rid of all the time, a positive perspective on how to be healthy is what I would say is probably a healthy, uh, important way to become a little bit different overall. I like that. I just recently kind of shifted my mindset on nutrition as as opposed to taking things away, adding things. Because for me, I have kind of a rebellious personality. And so if I'm like, (laughs) no more red wine ever, no more sugar, like I'm just going to crave those things even more. I'm like, okay, how can I add more vegetables to my day? How can I add more grams of protein to this meal? Um, Because that's more effective for me. And then it's not stressful, right? Um, We don't want to add stress by saying I can't do these things. It's a little counterintuitive if we're adding stress. Right, (laughs) totally. Yeah. 
What about you, Sarah? What would you say? Um, I think blood pressure is is a top one for me. It's one of our biggest priorities in the market. And um, yes, we definitely want people to come see and get their blood pressure checked with Dr. Perry. What is a good, I should know this, but what is a healthy blood pressure? So 120 over 80 is ideal. Okay. So that's kind of our goal of what we want to go to. Or below. Yes, or yeah. below. That's right, <laughs> or below. Okay. Um, and we still hear about, and I'm sure... Dr. Perry could talk more about it, but you know, we hear on the other end about oh, mine mine always runs at 150. And you go, mm, well, maybe that's not a good thing. We yeah. should talk to your primary care mine about that. Mine does actually run at 150. See? <laughs> like it's one of those where you just kind of go, well. So, so, but so I'm the, large and this, I understand this. <laughs> what's the top number and the bottom number? So the top number represents something that's called your systolic blood pressure. And okay. that's the pressure when your heart is squeezing blood out. The bottom number is called the diastolic number, and that's the, the pressure in your heart when it's relaxed. And both matter. Um, the important part about blood pressure and the reason that we love for patients to come to see us is that your resting blood pressure is what matters. Mm-hmm. When we exercise, our blood pressure goes up. Sure. And so I do see patients in my office freaking out because they were at the Y and they checked their blood pressure after a spin class. And I say, That's a terrible time. <laughs> to <check>. of course. <laughs> <laughs> or when they're stressed or other things. And so a mine's seat. high when I go to the doctor. Yeah. And some, sometimes that does syndrome. happen. Yeah. And yeah. so home blood syndrome. That's right. Um, I don't wear a white coat anymore specifically. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, um, Having your blood pressure um, checked at home is Mm -hmm. probably a better measure of blood pressure. But again, you have to be seated comfortably with both feet on the floor, your back supported, and your upper arm at about the level of your heart. If your arm is down, if your legs are crossed, it'll artificially elevate your blood pressure reading. Oh, good to know. We talk a lot about also it's the average. Like that one time you get your blood pressure checked does not mean that's what your blood pressure is. All the time. <laughs> you really need to have it checked, you know, multiple times. So then you know what your range is. You know what your average is. And that's, I think, what a lot of people don't know. But we always um, encourage people to, you know, when you're at CVS or when you're at the grocery store, or when you're at your doctor's office, just if there's, if it's available, it takes like two minutes and you check it yeah and then you can kind of keep track even on your phone or something but just to know so that when you do go to see your primary care and go well how's your blood pressure been and you can just pull it up and be like well well actually you know but really knowing what that is yeah you know? and I know we had you guys come to one of our GNO events and mm-hmm. take blood pressure which was very cool yeah our, our ladies all loved that We'll have yep. to do that again. That was I love that. That was yeah. wonderful. That was really really good. You guys always throw a good party. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How does so how does like heart rate play into just like if I'm like on your Apple Watch? Does that have anything to do with a healthy blood pressure if you have a certain heart rate or is heart rate very age related and so all of the above. Is the <laughs> I was like, I'm going to defer to her. <laughs> so your heart rate, um, if it is irregular would be a reason to come to see your doctor. Atrial fibrillation is a risk factor for stroke, and that's something that's important that we want to see patients for. But normal, (laughs) quote-unquote, heart rate is anywhere from 60 to 100 beats per minute. Like resting? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. And having said that, I, I sit here probably with a heart rate around 44, and that that's normal for people who exercise frequently, 
Um, they become efficient at pumping blood and their heart rate can slow. Yeah. Um, people who experience low heart rate that does not increase with activity is also a reason to come on and see the doctor. The electricity running through your heart um, can be an issue with heart rate mm. um, instead of blood pressure, which is more of a um, blood flow problem. Okay. Because I've heard that you're, I have a very low heart rate. Do you like, if, if I accidentally wear my Apple Watch to sleep, it'll wake me up and be like, your heart rate is really low. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Are you alive? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I've also heard that your like your your highest heart rate, if you're doing like high intense exercise, a good number is is it two twenty or two hundred minus your age? Which one of those? Two twenty minus minus your, your age, okay. and it should be about sixty to eighty percent of that number. Okay. And what that means, it, that's optimal exercise range. Not that it's harmful if you're above or below that. You just may not be getting the benefit um, in terms of cardiovascular um, output mm -hmm. that you might want dependent upon why you're exercising. Sure. Well, I think people get kind of, I know I do get freaked out sometimes about really high heart rates because you do hear people going for runs and having mm -hmm. heart attacks. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure that's a problem that has happened way before they went on that run. But well, we talk about that, too. I mean, it's, it's something that I think another piece I think is really important about Garrett for Women is about being your own health advocate. So because it is so easy to like you were saying, Ashley, it's so easy to downplay I'm the fine. symptoms. I'm good. I slept weird. Yeah. I just have this weird tingling. And, you know, it's. It's I'm just a fine. little bit dizzy today. I'm just a little dizzy. I didn't get enough rest or my child was stressing me out or, you know, work is, yeah. is tough right now. And it's so easy to put those excuses in. And then you have that. It has to be OK to go to your doctor and say something's just not right. Mm -hmm. Like this is not right. And I, I need to investigate a little bit, you know, and then you really, you're your advocate for yeah. that, you know, and so, to continue digging. If, exactly. you know, it's not, it might not be that very first appointment that they figure out and it probably won't be right. sometimes, you know? Right. And that can be tough, especially for women. Cause we have so much going on to be like, okay, I don't have time for all these appointments, but like <laughs> you don't have time not to make time for that. That is exactly, exactly right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that really is. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about some prevention, um, and some warning signs and we talked about the luncheon what are some things that you like if you have a, a parent a grandparent that you are a little worried about what are some some things that you can kind of say to them to maybe get them to go to the doctor or things they should be on the lookout for things that you should be on the lookout for if you notice about them um I think it's really just making sure that you're aware of the warning signs in women and make sure that the people around you are aware of the warning signs for women. And that's for heart disease and stroke. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, we lose more women to stroke than really? we do men, which is, you know, it's the kind of doesn't have that preconceived notion for that. So it's 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 really something I think it's important to know what the warning signs are. And it's important to know that your family knows what those warning signs are. So you can be on the lookout and go, you know, my grandmother has been a little confused mm -hmm. lately. It's just, it's you know, there's something that's not quite right. Or, you know, I see her keep grabbing her arm or, you know, know what those signs are so you can help kind yeah. of put in that next letter. Let's let's go ahead and go in. Just why not? What are some specific stroke warning signs? Okay. So definitely, do you want to cover? Um, either of us. <laughs> so certainly weakness mm -hmm. um, on one side of the body in particular 
or one side of the face. And that's usually something that people recognize because they can't speak clearly, they can't swallow easily, they start to notice an eye tearing on one side that's a little bit different. And it happens quickly when it happens. It's not something that sort of comes on over hours. It, mm -hmm. it occurs and it's a difference. Um, it can be just a tingling sensation that happens in one part of your body, which is very nonspecific and um, really can be anxiety provoking for some yeah, people. Yeah. Um, and then, especially in older adults, though it could be anyone, um, sometimes dependent upon where a stroke happens in the brain, words can come out differently mm. and or um, different words than what the patient is trying to say uh. come out. And so strange sentence structure, those types of things can be assigned to us that things have changed also and would not necessarily mean 100% a stroke, but needs an evaluation immediately. And we want those patients to go to the emergency room. Yeah. And the faster that we can address a stroke, the more brain that we can save. At Forsyth Medical Center, we feel so lucky that we have some of the fastest door to intervention times, not only in North Carolina, but across the country in order to help people um, live a healthy life after a stroke. Yeah, it, the timing is crucial. My my dad had a stroke in 2019 and very, very much genetic based because the man rides his bike 20 miles a day. He eats a healthy diet, like it's yeah. insane how that happens. But he um, luckily was able to get to the hospital quickly enough. He collapsed. And it's it's just very scary. The fact that if he didn't get there at this certain time, the difference that his life would be now. Um, so I think, like you said, noticing those warning signs and getting to the emergency room really quickly is is key. I have a question. Why is it called a stroke? What is stroking? I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not being funny. <laughs> I guess I am kind of being funny, but yeah, but sure. But why is it called a stroke? It's a it's a great question. I don't actually know the exact I, answer I don't know for if it. I have exact. If I were a thinking um, person, uh, probably because there is um, so a, a stroke of your heart moves a blood clot and kind of creates a, a, a blockage mm -hmm. um, or um, a stroke of bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely a stroke of bad luck. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I, I was just. I've always wondered why they called it that because I've always heard, you know, a stroke of good luck, you know, right, yeah. and, and I'm like, well, if it's a stroke, that should be a good thing, but, <laughs> but obviously not. And I don't know if it goes along with, um, I know one thing with the stroke is we talk about fast and that's really what we use actually to kind of know the warning signs that's is, right. you know, the fast, um, abbreviations for doing that. But like, so as soon as you have the stroke, the brain is starting to die. Mm -hmm. So every second is critical. That's why calling 911 is critical. Yeah. Um, but every second is critical. So whether it's a bleed in the brain or whether it's a clot, you know, that's stopping the blood flow, every second is critical with that. So maybe that's that stroke of go now. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good call out that we want people to call 911. We do not want people no. to put their family member in a car and drive them to the mm. emergency department. 
there's a series of events that begin as soon as that 911 call starts. They start, the hospital is made aware and they start to assemble the stroke team to get ready for a patient in the emergency department. And that team doesn't get assembled until we know about the patient. And so uh, if that's when the patient enters the emergency department, we're sometimes 15 minutes behind. Mm. It's really interesting too. So the, the event on February 2nd, the Go Red Luncheon, it's a fundraiser. And you think about some things that most people know, we raise money for research. So women's health research, women's stroke research. And then also we do local programming, like we're in the barber salons and beauty shops and things like that. But a lot of the things that go behind the scenes, we don't necessarily toot our own horn enough about. So that, what Dr. Abbott, or Dr. Um, what you just shared, is really Mission Lifeline, which is something that was an AHA initiative through a national advocacy campaign. So essentially making sure that the EDs were talking to the ambulance drivers, we're mm -hmm. talking to already people calling the physicians in. So when you call 911, you put that whole chain of survival in motion. Wow. So it's, it's just really incredible. And I believe we're up to all states have that Mission Lifeline now, so they, they all have that line of communication. So definitely, definitely don't try to take them there yourself because half the work is already being laid out and ready for That's when they arrive. That's a really, I'm glad you said that because I didn't, I didn't really realize that. Like, I, yeah. I don't know, I think sometimes people have the misconception like, well, if I get them in the car now, I might could It'll be get fast. there faster uh, yeah. than if I do that. And, and you know, unfortunately, people worry about insurance and they're like, oh, well, an ambulance ride is right. going to be more expensive. But um you know, not worth your life. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and the other thing that the American Heart Association has been really great about doing in terms of education um, is in terms of CPR, which, uh, again, may be related to a stroke in terms of just basic life support, but more for a cardiac event, having uh, AEDs in places, yeah. teaching mm -hmm. people how to use AEDs properly, yeah. um, because those... When we can get electricity on the heart quickly, we save lives. Mm, for a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. yeah that absolutely. So is there, if you, you know, know your genetics and you know that it's not great, is there like a way to get your carotid artery checked or do you just wait till you? So that's an interesting and controversial question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 so um, at one point we thought that doing screening, ultrasound screening of carotid arteries was the right thing to do because we would prevent strokes. It turns out just by being a person who has been screened, you may actually end up with a higher stroke risk. And that's probably because we see partially occluded vessels that would have been fine and then we fiddle with something that wasn't broken oh. um, and cause problems. And so really what we want people to do is to manage their blood pressure. We would love for them to come see their primary care physician to check on cholesterol. Okay. And um, to manage their cholesterol either with diet or medication or both if needed. Okay. And we have some really cool medications that we're starting to use for cholesterol that as the more and more time goes on, the data just looks better and better about how we reduce risk of heart attack and stroke afterwards. Very cool. What are some foods that come to mind that are good and then some that are bad for cholesterol? I know that kind of is a constantly 
changing thing too. <laughs> <laughs> Always changing. And the answer is probably a balance of what you're eating is more important than exactly what you're eating. Sure. If we would all eat a plant-based diet, cardiologists would probably go out of business. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that is not something that society in the United States does very well with yeah. <laughs> or in North Carolina um, or in my house. And right. so um, watching your diet and focusing on healthy fats that come from vegetables, eating some um, animal proteins, but that not being the majority of your diet um, is a healthier way to consider how to eat. If we would all eat the Mediterranean diet, um, we would probably all do better um, as well. Those healthy omega-3 fatty acids that help to reduce cholesterol and get the cholesterol into the right ratios that would make us healthy overall. Some sure. of the easy things that the American Heart Association is always promoting is Fruits or vegetables as half of your plate, mm -hmm. and that's that would be critical. If we could change just one thing <laughs> across the country, that, that would be fix. critical. Yes. Um, the other part is just a tip that um, I'd heard from a dietitian way long ago was, boy, you know, we would just be such a healthier nation if everyone just shopped along the outside of the grocery store. That's right. You know, so fresh meats, you're cooking it at home. It's not the processed food, which includes so much sodium, adds yep. to hypertension, you know, it's not the fried things. So really like outside produce, fresh meats, cook it at home, um, we'd be a much healthier country from that. And that would help a lot towards heart disease and stroke prevention. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Moderation is key, though. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We do still live in North Carolina, so we are just about for a reason. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping things up, um, where can we go to purchase tickets for the luncheon? Sure, sure. Easiest thing, just go to heart.org slash try at go red. Okay. Um, tickets are still available. So it's Friday, February 2nd. It's National Wear Red Day. So break out your red outfits. Awesome. Um, and it starts at 11. It ends at 1. Um, includes a great lunch, healthy lunch, amazing speakers, local survivors. Um, just going to be incredible, incredible. And it's a fundraiser. So please come out and help support the cause. Awesome. But again, just heart.org slash try at go red. Sounds good. Well, Sarah, Dr. Parrott, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Thank, thank you. Yeah. And as always, you can find Forsyth Mags, all of our content on our website, ForsythMags.com. And you can follow us on social media at Forsyth Mags. And that's a wrap for today. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs>